if you were considering doing for a for sale, sale by, by owner, owner, you want to tune in. You want to watch this. I, I, the consumer thinks that the realtor's job is to bring a buyer to a property or find a buyer for their property. And I always. Wait, wait, it's not? No. <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> All right. Welcome to another episode of the Context to Contracts podcast. With us again is Miss Rachel Sartain, co-host Mr. John Jones. So let me set this up real quick. John, you said before we got started, like if you were considering doing for a for sale, sale by, by owner, owner, you want to tune in. You want to watch this. So. This is clearly not my area of expertise, but dot your eyes. You have taught. How many classes do you think you've taught (laughs) on this subject material? Uh, Too many to count. There's there's no way. At least one a month for For 10 years. years. Okay. So uh, about 120 expert level. Yes, this is expert (laughs) level. This is mastery level. So what we're going to go over today is the Florida, specific Florida. Mm real estate contract, purchase purchase and sale agreement. And we're going to kind of wrap this into specifically in terms of financing, right. how, how it relates to uh, um, financing. So, which again, I would tell you if you're doing a FISBO and you add in financing, that's another layer of you wish you would have known. Yeah. Probably. And and just like Johnny was saying, you know, if you're a for sale by owner, definitely be listening to this. I, I The consumer thinks that the realtor's job is to bring a buyer to a property or find a buyer for their property. And I always... Wait, it's not? No. <laughs> that's, that's part of it. Well, it's kind of like the topic of the, the show, right? Contacts to contracts. contracts yeah. Well, let's just change up, change it up and say contracts to the closing table. Okay. Like I, I say that's where everything hits the fan. And if you're not on your toes and you don't know the language of the contract and all the deadlines and all the ins and outs, you're not going to make it to the closing table. So that's why I'm passionate. Like my, my first real estate broker, he gave me he gave me a copy of the sales contract. He said, "Go home and read this. Study it." Yeah. And I did. I went home and read it. I came back the next day, highlighted with notes and asking questions about it. And and I still carry around. I mean, as a as a broker of 12 years, I still carry around this folder. What's it called? Contracts. 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 And guess what I have inside. Contracts. Just, yeah. Oh, and they have notes. Like wow. I study it. You have as a as a real estate agent, you're writing a legally binding agreement between two parties, and so many people don't know the contract other than to how to fill in the blank. So I think it's such a valuable topic, and I'm very passionate. about So it. you're saying the real purpose of a real estate agent is not to bring a buyer to. The seller, what, well, then what is it? it? It's to help the person get to the end goal. And the end goal isn't finding a house. The end goal is purchasing the home and moving into it, right? Okay. So the end as goal- As smoothly as possible. As smoothly as possible. And the end goal isn't to put your home up for sale and to find a buyer. The end goal is to actually Close take the, the money to the bank, right? And move yes. on. So yes. So it's a, it's a longer process than what people think. And I, I always, I, I like to draw out a little picture. I have it. We can take a picture of it. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm a very visual person. I've already like been it. showing you my drawings. But um, I draw out a picture where it's like, okay, you have the first appointment. And then either you start looking for the home or you put the home on the market. Everything's pretty smooth sailing through that. You might have a couple little hiccups. But then once you get to that offer, 
it's like just everything <laughs> happens and it's it's like everything hits the fan it's like and one of those things that they put out in front of those gas stations that have the air blow through them that kind of oh yeah <laughs> you know, you know? And, and and really the biggest part of it is the emotions that the buyer and the seller go through mm. and it's just that roller coaster and so as as a professional you have to not only understand emotional intelligence and and behavioral styles and what the person is experiencing but you have to guide them through right. it while you're while you're keeping on strict deadlines and and it's not just the deadline for the realtor it's for the loan officer, the appraiser, the survey company, the inspector, the title company. If you're getting repairs, like when do those repairs need to be done? Who's doing them? How are they doing them? Making sure you have receipts. Like that's where that's where the hard work comes in. Wow, it's so true. Like the emotional part of it. This isn't an emotional transaction at all, is it? (laughs) (laughs) I love when people say, well, I like commercial real estate because it's not as emotional. And um, there's a, have you ever read the book, Emotional Intelligence 2.0? Yes. Okay. So there's a, there's a picture in there, a diagram in there that information comes in through our spinal cord and moves through our limbic system where emotions are processed to the frontal lobe where um, actually reason and, and data is processed. And so I always say you can't have an opinion on anything that didn't first go through your emotions. And that goes with statistics, numbers, anything. We have an emotional filter that everything goes through. In the real estate transaction, the thing we hear the most is, uh, you know, especially if you're a buyer, the seller's just trying to get everything out of me that Mm -hmm. they possibly can. And that is how they feel in the moment. And you have to understand that. You have to be able to walk somebody through that process. Yeah. So it's important, too, that the two agents <laughs> play good in the sandbox. You had mentioned as we were kind of prepping for this, um, you know, about what a transaction broker really means. Right. Can you can you dig into that a little bit? Sure. It was um, I think it was mid 2006 in the state of Florida. All realtors were assumed to be now a transaction agent. And so there's a couple of different agency relationships uh, there's single agent, there's transaction agent, and... Dual agent. Dual agent is, is, is going to be more if you see it in commercial, where each party has to show an ask that they have at least a million dollars in asset, and then you can have dual agency. Dual agency is, real, is um, actually not legal in most states. So, um, but the, the two you see the most, and then you have the new brokerage type of um, agency. So with, um, with a single agent, uh, agency, you have uh, confidentiality and um, full disclosure. Oh, and obedience. Obedience. So I had a, I had. How do you, how do you measure that? <laughs> I had a customer at one time that I you told him, I was, <laughs> I was showing him the difference between single agency and transaction agency. And that obedience piece wasn't, yeah, it was one of the things that wasn't there. He's like, I don't know if I like that. You're not going to be obedient to me. That's how I remember that one. <laughs> so, um, but no transaction agent is really, uh, you still, I mean, you still have the ethics and the integrity involved in it. It's limited confidentiality. So if you were selling your house and you were buying the house and, and you said, Rachel, I know Johnny's up to, you know, 475 on this purchase. Um, 
I really, I really, you know, my bottom line is, is 480. If you can, it, but, you know, do you think he'll come up a little bit more? If I went back and told you that, then I would be breaking that confidentiality. Okay. Um, so I just have to be able to go back to you and say, you know, the seller is still stuck at this price. What are you willing to do? But it has to be a conversation. Like, you have to be hmm. clear and honest. But I don't think it really happens like that. <laughs> It, it, it does in most cases. Well, yeah. yeah. So yeah. when you're working, yeah. if you're working both sides of the transaction, it is a fine line to yeah, walk. I mean, like I if you're the so. listing agent and a buyer comes to you, uh, which, by the way, guys, if, if, if you're out shopping and only wanting to talk to the listing agent, that does not mean that the listing agent is cutting their commission and you're getting a better deal on the house. Mm -hmm. That's called a variable commission, and not all realtors offer a variable commission. So that's first thing that the consumer needs to understand. But if, if, you, if uh, you do, as the listing agent, bring the buyer to the property, it is a fine line that you walk. It rarely happens. I'd say probably like one to 3% of transactions, yep. you're working both okay. sides of the deal. Most of them are with a buyer's agent and a listing agent. And so, and in, in, again, in the state of Florida, we're transaction agents, meaning we're working for the transaction. We're working to get it to the closing table. In the, in the mortgage industry, is that what you guys have experienced? Is that the emotion and the language you get back from the realtors that they're working for the transaction? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 what's your experience? Our ex if it doesn't close, <laughs> yes. we're, we're keeping the you escrow know, money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we get the emotion part of it. We get the, you know, hey, um, these folks are, you know, living in a hotel, they've got U-Hauls packed, you know, mm -hmm. this has got to happen by this certain time, they're going to lose this escrow deposit. You know, we get we get all of that. Um, you know, whereas like, I'm more of, uh, let me tell you where exactly where we're at in the process. And let's not be scheduling closings until we know we have a right closing. expectation. Yeah. Right. And, and I, I think that I think that w what I would prefer we all do is we set the right expectation for where we at and what needs to happen to get there. Um, but a lot of times that that's not how it goes down. No, it's not. And, you know, I've always taught to don't write the offer until you speak to your team. That's exactly okay. right. And you're Get both agents and the lender on the phone, explain the situation, the type of loan and, and, and what what the time frame needs to be, you know, in the market that we win the last 18 months. We know it took a little bit longer. Yeah, appraisers yeah. You know, are, appraisals are taking longer, you know. And so, so it's like I'm not going to put when the loan approval has to be completed because I have no idea. I'm yes. a realtor. Correct. I need to call because my Because you're going on vacation that for the two weeks past that, you want it closed on that Friday. Yeah, that, it doesn't work that yeah. way, unfortunately. Yeah. So I need to call my partner, the lender, and say, hey, I've got this buyer. You've already pre-approved them. We found a home. What is the time frame I need to write on the contract for that loan approval? Mm -hmm. It's not a guessing game. It should it should be a conversation with yeah. your team members. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So one of the things that we wanted to get into, part of the reason I asked you for your expertise on this is there was recently a change to this contract mm -hmm. in regards specifically to appraisals. You kind of just brought that up, where if my understanding is correct, the the loan commitment. The, the appraisal has to come before the loan commitment, which is a change. Like, so in other words, we used to be able to write loan commitment subject to a satisfactory appraisal. Mm -hmm. That's changing. 
that is changing and there's a couple of things with that that i'll just bring up so the florida association of realtors has a website floridarealtors.org and they have um, a summary of the changes and so it's like i have it printed here it's like a page and a half um i'd say some realtors will read the summary okay most realtors won't even know that there's been a change very few will actually take the contract and read it so as i was reading through the contract i realized there were so many more changes than Than what this this. summary so you can see like just from here there's red lettering there's green lettering there's blue lettering there's purple lettering i have no idea what the different colors (laughs) mean Nor did I see a color code anywhere as I was going through this. Uh, There are strikeouts. There are additions. There's a lot of language in here that's changed. And so it's not just knowing a summary of what's changed. It's really about digging in and knowing how is it going to impact your business and your customer. Um, But with the, and then with the appraisal aspect of it, what's funny is, so you and I were talking earlier about, when the Florida Association of Realtors originally put that loan commitment language Mm -hmm. into the sales contract, it was like the Association of Realtors and the the Florida Bar got together and they created this sales contract for realtors to be able to use to help buyers and sellers with that transaction. They didn't consult with the with the mortgage industry. Correct. And the reason we know they didn't consult with the mortgage industry is because they put language in there that the lender had to deliver a loan commitment letter. Yep. And prior to that, Which, did you ever see a loan commitment letter? It, no, no, no. We, the only time we would really pull out that loan commitment letter was in the event like, hey, I, I finally got loan approval, but I need two days to close. And the seller's like, listen, if we can't close today, this deal's dead. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we would use that as a proof that, hey, we actually are ready to lend. And it was very, very few instances because historically that language, John, in our business has meant loan commitment. We are ready to rock and roll. Yes. This is a guaranteed mortgage. Yeah. Right. Well, then we started writing loan commitments that had contingencies on them, you know, subject to verifying X, Y, Z, right? And the appraisal would be right. one of them. Right, right. And and so, and, and just with this language, and the reason I kept it kind of going is because we're talking about loan commitment. Well, the language changed in 2017 to loan approval. So uh, you know, I, I love when realtors put EMD in the contract. What does EMD stand for to you? To me, earnest money, earnest deposit. money deposit. Right. Do you know those three words are nowhere in this contract? <laughs> The title company calls it that, right? It's an EMD, and the contract is escrow. So it's very important that we use the language of the contract that we have the ability to be able to use. As a realtor, I can't create legal language. I can only use the language that's been provided to me. So it's escrow. So this contract actually calls it now a loan approval. So they moved away from the commitment conversation. And, And it's always been confusing this. Uh, appraisal piece of paragraph 8b of the contract where it had stated uh, and so what you're saying is that on the loan approval you could approve somebody for financing but there was a contingency of a satisfactory appraisal appraisal, right and that appraisal in the language of the contract wasn't that the property had to appraise at purchase price Mm -hmm. it was that it had to appraise to meet the conditions of the loan Mm -hmm. So we had a situation several many years ago where um, a buyer was purchasing. It was an eight hundred thousand dollar home. They were only financing fifty percent, four hundred thousand dollar loan. 
the appraisal came back on that eight hundred thousand yeah, dollar home. Yeah. You still got to close. This I, was with us, <laughs> right? That appraisal came back at seven fifty. Still got to close. You still got to close, and the agent was mad because they were like, "Oh, well, that's a, an appraisal contingency. They they can't get the loan." I'm like, "Yeah, they can get a four hundred thousand dollar loan on a seven all day long. Yep. All day long. That clause really comes into effect when you're looking at, let's say, an FHA buyer, three percent down, five yes. percent down. It might not even apply on a 10% down. It just really depends. So like if you have if you're putting 10% down and you're purchasing at 300,000 and it appraises at 296, you're you're still approved yeah, for that loan. more and yeah. financing a little yeah. bit less. Yeah. A little bit more. So I th- I think the thing worth noting here is historically we can get loan approval pretty quick mm-hmm. right and, and in a lot of cases if if you've done a tbd which like we'll underwrite an what's entire, a tbd it's a to be determined property right so fully under we will fully underwrite a property without or fully underwrite a borrower without them having a subject property mm-hmm. so sometimes you're going under contract already with loan approval right right so historically what happens is the appraisal comes second Right. right. We've already got loan approval or we get it pretty quick and we're still waiting on the appraisal. This is basically saying appraisal first, loan approval second. Yeah. So kind of what you were just explaining is you're giving a loan approval with conditions, conditions mm-hmm. of, you know, uh, checking to make sure they yeah. still work. And you still got a job. Yeah, you yep. still got a job um, and that it does appraise to meet the conditions of the of the loan. What the language of this is stating now so how it's changed is that the uh, appraisal is no longer a condition of the approval it's all the same package right you have to have the appraisal done prior to getting a full approval okay and now the word doesn't mean it has to be done first it just has to be part of yeah but the the thing that like in today's market we're seeing appraisals take like here in the tampa bay area three weeks two to three weeks There's other parts of the country, which I know this is Florida specific contract, but we're seeing like in Washington state, four weeks or longer for an appraisal. So, which makes so, it so important that as an agent, I'm, I'm calling yep, you and point. saying, yep. how long is an appraisal taking? Because if, if an appraisal is taking four weeks and I've got four weeks on my closing date, I just screwed my buyer. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, and another piece of this too is that there is um, a three-day window. So if your if your buyer doesn't get loan approval or doesn't get loan approval by the deadline, the seller has three days where they can cancel the contract. The buyer still gets their escrow money back, but this it's now the ball's kind of in the buyer's court or sorry the, the seller the court. seller's court. So you know. So uh, can I ask a question? Then? Sure. So you're saying then after three days, if the seller chooses to keep the contract going, that no longer is a factor. That's no longer a factor. And the uh, loan approval is deemed to be uh, have been received. So the, the financing contingency is gone. Is gone. So when people are writing a closing date in their sales contract, they really need to look at a calendar. And if you're talking to your lender and you're hearing four weeks to get the appraisal back, um, you need to take that in consideration for how long it's going to take for the loan approval. And if it's going to take five weeks for loan approval because of the delay with appraisals, then you need to make your closing date six weeks out, not the same day. Mm -hmm. You need to have a window in there. Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> You're welcome. 
but we can we can we can preach this until we're blue in the face and so many people still don't get it I, I actually for our team I created like a little timeline of you know when things when the deadlines of things sure. are so then you calculate your closing date you don't yep. just throw a dart and say oh yeah, I'd like to be the in fifth, there and I think we can make the end of the month fine. Yeah. There's yeah. a holiday in there too, but we won't count that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so it's like, let's look at all the deadlines of the contract and then calculate out our closing date after we've had yep. conversations with our team members. Um, that's really how it should be done. But there's another major change in this contract regarding the sale of a buyer's property that I thought was very important too that falls within this financing contingency yes so um i had asked you so if i bring you a buyer and say hey brian this guy needs to be pre-approved he's got to sell his house to get financing but i'm not going to put that in the in the i'm not going to add that rider to the contract because if i do he won't get he he won't get the contract yeah you're asking me to leave it out of the pre-approval mm-hmm. that's a hard no no <laughs> <laughs> How many times do you guys get asked All that? the time. All the time, right, right. So what this language, it actually says, and it's, gonna, it's hard to read this because there's so many colors and strikeouts, but it says loan approval, which requires buyer to sell other real property, shall not be deemed considered loan approval unless writer V is attached. So what that language is doing is making it a requirement that if somebody's getting a loan, and they have to sell a home, that that rider or that addendum for the sale of the buyer's property has to be attached mm -hmm. to the contract, which helps so much because there are so many realtors that, you know, they know that their buyer's yes. offer is not going to get accepted if they yeah. have to sell a house. Yeah, and here's a big reason I think that this matters too. So we, we kind of keep track of the reason either loans don't close, deals don't close, or they do late. Mm -hmm. You would be surprised that most of the time, high 90s, it's got nothing to do with the financing. I'm not surprised by that. <laughs> right, it's got to do with some sort of title issue, the ability to get homeowner's insurance. Like there's a million other reasons, mm -hmm. you, you know, home inspection, you know, whatever, repairs that need to be done on the property. Like we can just keep going on and on and on. But those are all things that can hold up that other sale, right? right? And when you start getting those back-to-back -back sales like that, like they could be a long line of, hey, this closing's holding up this one, which is now holding up this one, which is now holding up this one. We're seeing that so much. And it so may much. have nothing to do with the financing of the property. Most likely doesn't have anything to do with the financing. But it's so much easier for me just to point my finger just at you. Just blame us. We got yeah. it. We got it. Hey, he who does not show up at the closing table gets blamed. That's why you go to your closings. <laughs> Yeah, so those are, those are definitely two of the big changes that I'm seeing in the contract. And another thing that stood out to me, um, and I, I have to go back, I don't remember if this is a change or just language that popped up because it's um, kind of a pet peeve of mine regarding permitting. And this might not be something that you guys come up against much, but um, open, so in our area, an open permit gets confused all the time with a lien on the property okay. and they're completely different so your title search is going to look for liens on the property mm -hmm. which might encumber the insurance right well an, a permit doesn't create any impact on the title insurance at, at all um so the um so but however guess who does the search for open permits title title does right mm -hmm. guess when the 
guess when the open permit search has to be done according to the contract? I would hope it's done at the beginning. Right. During Three the inspection period. Okay. During the inspection period, it actually falls okay. under inspection. So, Rachel, let me ask you a question. Okay. You're an agent. If you're taking a listing, why wouldn't you be getting this at the time you take the listing? Oh. You're choosing title anyway. Oh, but, you know, if I do that, then I have to disclose it. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'll write that offer yeah. letter without the... <laughs> Let me let me just tell you this disclosure. Okay, a huge pet peeve of mine for every realtor, investor, anybody out there.